0: can't be very detail specific here due to the nature of my job but I will try my best to communicate the story as best that I can I work in the cyber crimes division in a law enforcement agency and that's about as specific as I can get and I want to be very clear here most of the stories that you read about the dark web are outright fabrications the tales of red rooms and stories of hiring hitmen are practically and universally untrue Most crime takes place on your normal, everyday web. On Tuesday afternoon, however, I got a call saying that there was a new case for me. Well, the officer on the other end of the call didn't seem to be too sure that it was a case for me, but wanted me to have a look anyway. I went down to talk to the two boys. Both of them were teenagers, likely still in high school. I was wondering what this was all about when one of them started blabbering about something that they got off of the dark web. Apparently, the two of them were doing a TikTok or YouTube challenge. I can't be bothered to remember which one it was, but they were looking for some things to buy off of the dark web. Honestly, there's very little actual shady activity that goes on on the dark web, unless you want to buy drugs. So the two of them were mainly disappointed, until they found a site that sold books, one of which that they bought. I was then handed the book in question. I put on a pair of gloves and flipped through it. It was filled with photos of a young lady. Initially, they were of her smiling and in locations such as a meadow or city square. Though, as it went on, they became more provocative, for lack of a better term. She began wearing outfits like a maid uniform or a catgirl cosplay. And the last few photos were of her wearing nothing. Is this all you wanted to show me? I asked, wondering what the fuss was all about. It was then that I was handed a card, one that had come with the book. In it, the card stated, Thank you for your purchase, dear customer. Inside, you can find a treasure trove of photos of a young girl. Though, that is not what is special about this book. To make sure that it is truly one of a kind we made sure that you would get the full experience. The book is bound with her skin, so feel free to gently caress the leather as you think of her. Again, thank you for your purchase. At this point, I should probably mention, for those who might be unaware, what anthropomorphic bibliography is. It is a practice of binding a book with human skin. I probably don't need to say this, but it is illegal even assuming the skin from a cadaver, you'd run into laws dealing with human remains. This card, though, from the way that it was written, was made to sound as if the skin had been taken from the girl while she was alive. Well, either that, or she had been killed and then skinned specifically to make this book. I thought that the whole thing was an elaborate joke. My first hunch was that the two boys were in on it but they seemed too scared for it to be a hoax on their end. I interviewed the two of them separately, and their stories held up. Alright, perhaps they were telling the truth, but that didn't mean that the book was really bound with human skin. Even if it felt like leather, it was most likely animal leather, and all of this added for flavor. I told the officer in charge of the case just that, and said that there was no real need to investigate further. Though, I did give the young boys a warning regarding buying things off of sketchy websites. And so that's where the case ended. Or so I thought. As it turns out, the officer in charge of the case decided that, on the off chance that it was real, to get the book tested. And it turned out that the leather binding of the book was, as a matter of fact, made from human skin. As you can imagine, interest in the case surged after that we were dealing with a potential murder case now, and we called the two boys back. I was also brought back on board to try to get to the root of things, and I was able to get to the Tor address of the site that they used. Unfortunately, all I got was an error message when I used that link. I did some more sleuthing, but that got me nowhere. Frustrated, I'd turned to other sources for help, but there was a little progress that I was able to make. Further analysis of the skin revealed that it did belong to a woman and one of Caucasian descent, which all lined up with what I saw in the photographs. But there was little else that forensics could do as the process of preparing the leather made many tests unviable. The DNA test of the skin didn't reveal anything, and we searched far and wide to see if anyone recognized the girl in the photos. There is still no match to date. The case was about to turn cold when I managed to find an unexpected lead. On a forum, I caught wind of someone else who had purchased a similar book and was confused regarding the veracity of what was claimed about it. It was three states over, but we managed to track down the poster, of which was a woman who bought it out of morbid curiosity. Forensic testing revealed that the cover was made of human skin as well. She had a different tour link, one which I tried, and this one actually worked. The site by itself was nothing very impressive. It was as basic as could be, kind of like the old sites back in the 2000s. I would have thought that it was a cheap prank based on this alone, but the two cases made me hold back my skepticism. I took screenshots of the website and confirmed with the two boys who had come to us first with the case that this was the site that they were looking on. Both of the books had been mailed from fake addresses from mailboxes within larger cities so there was little to go on there. Given this, we decided to try the site for ourselves and place an order, only for nothing to turn up. If anything, what happened was the site's URL no longer worked. And it is here that where things took a sinister turn. One of the boys, the one who had actually ordered the book, went missing one day. He was coming home from school, and then, well, there was no trace of him. A manhunt for months came up with nothing. Until one day, the other boy came to us saying that someone had delivered a piece of paper to his house. It wasn't a normal piece of paper. It was a rolled up piece of parchment. Testing later revealed that it was made from skin of a human. Testing later revealed that it was made from human skin. And DNA testing showed that it was from the boy who had gone missing. Upon it, written with letters that were later confirmed to be made out of blood, were the words, stay out of our business. I don't like to admit this, but that single incident smooked me beyond anything that I've ever encountered. I'm not really used to being in the line of fire. Yeah, I know that I'm part of law enforcement, but my work is usually done behind a computer screen. I didn't catch a wink of sleep for three nights after we confirmed what it was, I vividly remember how his mother broke down in tears when we gave her the news. There are no more leads aside from that anyway, and I honestly want nothing more to do with the case anymore. People who would gladly skin someone and then use that skin are not people that I want to be in close contact with. Well, the case might be over, but I'm leaving this as a general warning. Do not buy things off of the dark web. Even if it is more than likely a joke, it might not be. Because sometimes, they might not be kidding. Some people have a normal job. Monday through Friday, 40 hours a week, health benefits, bonuses each year, retirement funds, you know. But that's not me. I don't have a normal job. It's not easy doing what I do, but it pays the bills since I can't get a regular job due to my criminal record. I am a janitor that works for the dark web, and I clean up murder rooms once the buyers are done torturing and killing the victims that they paid for. I've been doing it for the past three years. Every time someone needs some cleaning up of the bodies that they made a mess of, I go in and clean it up. I make sure that there is not a single drop of blood in the room and dispose of the leftover body parts any way that I can. No evidence remaining. No questions asked. In fact, I can never ask questions. These people are not to be fucked with. I just get paid to do my job and go home like nothing. It's a sick job, but they would pay me well for it. But all that would change one night when I started to finally question my morality. It was one night when they called me to do a job. It's always the same location, which is 40 miles from where I live in a run-down warehouse. I was called to clean up a room, which really was no problem at all. But I noticed, or barely caught on to, something that I never thought twice about. As I was cleaning the room that was covered in blood, I saw a small picture on the floor. I picked it up, and it was a picture of a little girl, probably around 14 years old. This made me think right away that this was probably the victim whose blood that I was cleaning up just now. It gave me an uneasy feeling inside and for the first time, it disturbed me for the fact that these people are now using kids as their victims. But again, this was a job where no questions were asked. I put the picture in my pants pocket and continued cleaning. Once I was done, I packed up my things and quickly got out of the warehouse. I went inside my car and instantly got a call. It was them, because they always called private. I answered and they asked me if I was done cleaning. I told them yes and I just got in my car. They told me that they left the money inside my glove compartment while I was inside cleaning and they'll probably have another job for me in the next two days since I have a customer who is already waiting. I knew I shouldn't have done this, but I decided to ask how old she was, referring to the victim. They hung up the call. I'm sure that they were pissed just by me asking. I didn't know if I could continue doing these types of jobs anymore, but I didn't know how else I would get out of this without some possible threat to my life. I got the picture of the little girl and put it resting on my passenger side. I went home that night and contemplated everything. It was the next day around 9 o'clock at night when I got a private call. I know it was them, and I was tempted to not answer, but I did anyway. They gave me the same location again, and to be there around 4 o'clock AM.
1: This time, no questions asked. Juan Miguel Santos of 3905 North 16th
0: Street. The call hung up. This was a clear threat. Just do my job and get out of there. I would need to leave town the next morning and disappear after this. I arrived at the location and saw that there was an old Grand marquee parked outside. Usually, there shouldn't be any cars but mine at the location, and I got worried that maybe these people were inside, keeping a close eye on me. I stepped outside my car and walked slowly inside, feeling more and more paranoid with each step that I took. The hallways were darker than before, and I saw light coming from the room that I was supposed to go into. I entered inside, and my eyes couldn't believe what they had just seen. There was a girl in the middle of the room, tied up and gagged to a chair. And alive. The job wasn't done yet but then I saw that the body of a man was lying next to the girl. The girl looked around to be 16 years old. The girl began to scream at me and I started freaking out even more. I ran to the man on the floor and checked his pulse. He was gone. This was the man that was going to kill the girl since I saw a scalpel in his right hand. I walked myself outside into the hallway and immediately got a call. Private. It was them. Is everything okay? They knew something was up. They also had cameras in the hallways, but not in the rooms. They must have seen that I was nervous. Um, yeah. Everything's okay. Finish the job and get out. We'll leave the money in your car. They hung up, but I knew that there was something wrong. I went back inside the room, and the girl was yelling at me to help her with the gag in her mouth. I didn't know what to do. I needed to dispose of her body, but that meant that I needed to kill her first. I looked around inside the man's bag, and he had several weapons and tools inside, presumably to torture the girl. I pulled out a power drill and turned it on. The girl started to scream even more, telling me to stop. She was crying her eyes out, and I aimed the power drill at her face, and more tears started to run down her face. I put the power drill down. I couldn't do it. I took off her gag and asked her what had happened. She told me that the man just fell on the floor and seemed like he had a heart attack. You know that I can't let you out of here. These are dangerous people and there are cameras everywhere inside this building. We both looked around the room. What about him? Asked the girl. I looked at the man and saw that he had a hoodie. I took it off and gave it to the girl. Put this on and cover yourself and run as far away from here as you can. I'm scared. What if they find me? The girl said. I looked inside the man's pockets and found some car keys. They must be with the car that was parked outside. Here, take these keys. I think that the marquee that's parked outside belongs to him. Whatever you do, do not go to the police. They will find you. They will kill you. Just go away from here as far as possible. Before she left, I asked for her name and she said it was Crystal and that she was 17. I was scared for her. I knew that they might even be outside waiting for me to finish. Before she stepped outside, I looked around the lot to see if it was clear for her to go. There were only two cars outside and she quickly ran to the marquee. She said thank you and took off. I went back inside and got my things. And that's when my phone started to ring. It was them. I ignored it and quickly ran to my vehicle. As soon as I was about to take off, a car approached from behind. The car parked right behind me and two men in masks stepped out. Not only that, but they opened the back seat of the car and took out Crystal. They had caught her. They knew everything that we had done. I should have taken off, but one of the men took out a gun and pointed at me and yelled at me for me to step outside the vehicle. I stepped out and they ordered for us to go inside. They took me and Crystal into the room with the client's dead body. I knew what they were going to do to us. I needed to do something before we would be the dead bodies right next to the one that was already on the floor. I saw that Crystal was right beside the switches to the light. I looked at her and signaled with my eyes to the switches to turn them off. The moment that Crystal turned off the lights, I ran towards one of the masked men. Gunshots fired as the men were yelling to turn on the lights. I grabbed the power drill that was on the floor and drilled it right into the man's chest. I stuck the drill all the way in and didn't stop until I heard the man gurgling, choking from his own blood. I got up off of him and heard Crystal breathing hard and yelling. I turned on the lights and witnessed Crystal stabbing the other masked men repeatedly with the scalpel in the face. Half of his mask was gone from the punctures. I got Crystal and I told her to stop. She was frightened and terrified. She hugged me tight and began to cry. Both of us had made it out alive this time. We walked over to my car and took off both of us covered in blood. The sun was coming up as it was already 6.30 in the morning. Sometimes I think that maybe it would have been better for us if we were just dead, since we would both now have to live a life of fear for the rest of our lives. Luckily I haven't heard of or seen anything, but you never know. These people always manage to find you. Let's just hope that they don't catch me now or the rest of my life. My son Thomas never had a shortage of friends. Always the class clown. Always the likable, relatable, funny goof that he was. He passed away two months ago. He jumped off of an overpass and landed on his neck. He was 17. And so I'm writing this for him, because he wanted me to. I know a lot of you know about the internet and the dark web and all of that. The thing is, I didn't, and... Maybe if I had, my son would still be alive. So please, stay off the dark web. The game is called Viridium de Sir, and I am an American English speaker, but I believe this means something along the lines of tell the truth in Latin. I only began to notice things after the last few months, troubles in school, which he had never had. He sat behind a girl in class and cut a chunk of her hair off, he was suspended. I would look through the history on his computer and find violent videos, people being murdered and sodomized, video after video, white powder substance all over his room, salt lining his windows. We took him to the dentist because of an infection on one side of his mouth. The dentist examined him and pulled me aside to let me know that my son had pulled out and crushed three of his teeth inside of his mouth. The last straw was when I caught him in the room about two months ago before he died. He was carving some sort of symbol into his arm on a live stream. I figured his odd behavior must be a cry for help, thinking maybe he was depressed or suicidal. He was hospitalized for a week and then released. Two weeks later, my son was dead. A month before my son died, every person in the family received an email. Each one read, Ask Thomas about the little girl who died down the street. Ask him what he knows. Make him tell you the truth. The email came from an anonymous sender, and when confronted with it, Thomas began to nervously and visibly become sick. Who sent it, Thomas? I want to know. If this is some sick prank to scare your little sister, it's not funny. I leaned against the counter and crossed my arms. The email pulled up on my laptop in front of my son. He kept his head low, avoiding eye contact with me, staring at his fingers in his lap. I don't know what his mom... Probably some spam email or something, he muttered, almost looking up at me, but quickly averting his gaze. A spam email that happens to have your name on it and information on the crime committed down the street a few weeks ago? I don't think so. I glanced at the screen for a moment. So, do you know something you're not telling your father and I about this? I said, looking back at him. No. Tears welling up at his eyes as he stared at the computer screen. I don't know anything. What is going on with you, Thomas? This is so unlike you. Please, if you're not okay, please just tell us. We want to help you. We want our Tom back. I put my hands on his, but he pulled away quickly and wiped his eyes quicker. I don't know anything, Mom. I already told you. I'm fine. He got up abruptly and started towards the door. Now I could feel the tears begin to form in my eyes as I saw him walk away. My son was almost unrecognizable. He was skin and bones, purple bags under his eyes like he hadn't slept in days. His clothes hung and bagged on him as I saw him walk towards the door. I love you. I squeaked out. He stopped for a moment and looked back at me, and I swear to God, I've never seen more pain in someone else's eyes than I saw in that moment. He let a tear fall as he turned away again, his back to me now. Love you, Mama. He croaked out before exiting the room quickly. He began to look worse as time went on, then frail, tired and fatigued. My husband and I found therapists, took him to doctors, pulled him out of school and did everything that we thought was right, leaning up until my son's suicide. After a week after his death, I felt like half of me was missing. I couldn't move or talk or get out of bed, and I didn't. All I could do was think about Thomas, and the guilt ate me alive. I knew my email had to be overflowing with emails from clients at work, and I knew I had to get back to work soon. For me, for my husband, and for my daughter. Two weeks later, I finally checked it, and at the top of the inbox was an email with an anonymous sender and no subject. I began to tear up, wishing whoever it was would just leave me alone and let me grieve. But curiosity got the better of me, and I opened it. I wish I hadn't. The email was nothing but nine black letters that read, he did it, and the game is not over.
1: In order to give context to this post, let me explain who I am and why I am bothering sharing this information. 22 year old male just finished my master's at a university. I was about 12 when I was given permission to start using my dad's spare laptop. Since his work gave him a new one every couple of years and he thought that I could use the experience of getting used to the tech early on. When I was in high school, I got word from a group of stoners, which also I still have no clue why the hell they were talking about it. The people were accessing restricted parts of the internet which held everyone's information. I went ahead and did some more digging online and I found out about this dark web. What most of you know as the deep web, finding proxy sites as well as hacks that you could use via command prompts to mask your IP address and basically walk through a lot of locked doors. I spent the better part of my late teens doing this kind of stuff online using a few online forums like raddot most of the time. I didn't have many friends offline, so yeah, online was a place for me, and I got pretty good at blending in. I had three aliases, which I used, but only the close online friends of mine knew that they were all me. Nathan was my main link to the dark web, since he somehow spent more time than I did on it. Even when the only thing I did other than ghosting with him was playing Halo. What I liked about him is that neither one of us mentioned our last names or any real information, even though we both could have looked it up at any time and found pretty much whatever we wanted to about the other person. That being said, I trusted Nathan more than almost anyone and he knows more about this story than I'll be willing to admit on here. During uni, I roomed with a local dealer who, unknown to the education board that expelled him, worked for me now. It was fucking easy to order narcotics online, like MDMA and X, if you knew where to look. I even had them shipped to my dorm room, local PO box at one time without anyone being any the fucking wiser. I'd get the drugs online. My former friend would then use his real life connections to sell them, since I didn't really have anyone in town. This was around the same time I felt like I had all the cards, and no one could touch me if they couldn't track my IP. I was in the second year of my biomed course when I got into the stupid shit. Scumbag pieces of shit would be sharing snuff videos that would even make the most messed up you know you've laid eyes on look like a fucking white bread. This was why I only used the links that I either found myself or more often the ones that Nathan gave me. He would spend days and literally days just marveling at some of the crazy shit that you could find on there and some of the stuff that people just get away with. Yeah, the government had shut down all the main sites like Silk Road and Mad Onion, but those are like the only ones that idiots online seem to even take a notice at. Other hackers would just message me on forums asking for sites to get weed and other drugs from, which was basically as simple as pointing in the right direction. The university claimed to monitor internet traffic, to stop people from doing freaky stuff online after they heard people were hacking students' accounts and ruining online schedules. But I guarantee you that they did absolutely nothing to people who would actually do stuff. This is just a side note. I'm not confessing to having done these acts. I just know exactly which individuals did. By third year, I had made enough money to have a long screen setup of my own, which made decrypting site details a lot quicker for me since I could actually read 200 bars or greater without having to scroll through a tab. And I actually had gotten pretty good at it too. I had been delving around messed up sites. And to be honest, I'd even talked in some of the chat rooms to some of these admins in charge. You'd be surprised how normal some of these sites owners would seem if you didn't know he also had a day job. I got more curious though, very stupid of me, after nearly 10 years of seamlessly making my way around this dark web. The deep web is more of a plebe term. You're talking with more experienced users, even today. I joined Nathan as well as a few others in this chat room, just messing around sharing some screwed up sites. This might sound weird, but for me, it's pretty much an everyday thing. Nathan and another friend were talking about some site that no one had managed to get past the encryption to. Apart from one other person who's even more of a no-life than me, the rest of us are pretty sure he's mentally unstable because the sight he shared with us was arguably the most vile thing I've ever laid my eyes on. For those of you still with me, this is why I'm posting this here. The site is the most cancerous and revolting sector from the darkest part of the dark web. It is a scar that I bear to this day and it is one that I will never, ever forget. I'll warn readers again, this is not for the faint-hearted, and something that even the most emotionally numb person will not be able to deal with. I won't share the site URL, since I don't want this post to be taken down, nor do I want anyone even giving the slightest bit of publicity aside what I have said here. That being said, It did have a subheading in the HTML that I'll leave the other people like me to have a look at if they want to. Most people referred to it as cold body. The messed up dude who was in the chat room earlier gave Nathan and I this encrypted URL for us. But he was too fucking giddy about getting through it through the site himself to send us an encryption. So Nathan and I had to manually go through the whole process ourselves. We tried for hours. Nathan and I had been doing this for the entirety of our adult lives, yet we'd never seen code like this before. Come to think of it, I doubt that the guy in the chat even cracked this himself. Nathan and I both caught it a night. I left the command prompt open and went outside to smoke a joint. Nathan remained on the chat so we could play Anvil, a Russian crack of Halo for PC. But when I got back, his microphone was muted for some reason. For people like us who had nothing to hide from each other, we almost never muted our mics. I wait a few minutes just thinking maybe he's doing something or maybe he went to go get something. Nothing. I don't think much of it. My brain is too occupied with the cannabis flowing through my bloodstream. I sat down and took another look at this code, thinking there was something I missed. I did. The code was completely different, completely unencrypted. I simply launched the URL and my PC wired for a while until finally opening up about 20 windows across my monitors. All of them scrambling codes through a debugger that I had installed. Even with 32 gigabytes of RAM, My computer was making more noise than I had ever heard before. I thought to myself, shit, I'm going to have to OC my shit and the BIOS if I was going to have another shot of getting through this and I was not feeling up for it after the smoke. I get ready to hard reset before my monitor turns off and back on, one at a time. This was when I started getting a bit paranoid and was thinking about just letting it go. I fucking wish that was what I did. The windows were almost gone, only four still there, and two of them were normal deep websites that the admin probably used to relay IP address through. First site that I had ever seen do that. All of the text was dark and extremely primitive for a site that I thought would be at least a little bit more impressive considering its security. The main center window had only one small amount of text in it. If you have made it this far, you know what you are in for. If you still don't, you don't belong here. Even though I was feeling mellow, the text in sheer awe of what I was getting myself into pieced me into fear. A simple Y slash in prompt popped up in the window. I accepted, ready for whatever awaited me on the other side. A chatroom window came into life in the second window remaining. I was wondering what it was for, perhaps another IP relay, or a shadow app that hid the true nature of the site behind it. It simply stated, insert name, as a small optional password, that I'm still not sure what it was for. The fact that people have accounts on this site, looking back on it, is very, very fucked up. I use my most recent alias, Diablo underscore pound pound pound. The pounds are censored for obvious reasons. A couple more scrolls of red text flew up on the window, then it opened up into an actual short chat room, like you'd see on Amigle, except with no ads or color or anything besides dark red text. The chat was a bit more advanced than the first window, which was now frozen and wasn't responding to any console commands I was using on it. I have to say, the feeling of finding this site in the first place felt pretty awesome. I couldn't wait to tell Nathan. That was until the chat window popped up with names. One that I recognized was his, using one of the aliases as well. I'd say about three dozen people were in this chat room No names that I can remember, and even if I did, I wouldn't dare reveal them. Not after this. I tried calling Nathan on my phone, but he obviously wasn't picking up. We were so fucked. It was so stupid for us to delve this deep without even knowing what was ahead of us. Users definitely had met before, as they immediately started posting messages to the window as me and Nathan remained silent, as they were casually talking about stuff, I was starting to calm down a little bit. Maybe this was just a stupid, exclusive cult website that talked about organizing deals or other dumb shit that I've found in the past. It all seemed so normal, so why the obscurity? The first window, still blank and unresponsive suddenly began loading up this video file or some sort. A snuff video, perhaps? It would make sense to hide this one, but not to this extent. And the chat room didn't make much sense. I wish this stuff had been going on through my head at the time, if I wasn't being stupid enough to get stoned right beforehand and going through with this. I felt tempted to ask the other users what the video was about. But I was afraid that it might give away that I was somebody who shouldn't be here. Nathan hadn't said anything either, and I wasn't going to risk anything. I got the guts to finally ask, what are we all here for then, trying to sound as eccentric and dim-witted as I could. I didn't get a response from them. As a matter of fact, no one said another word. Nathan stayed quiet, but I assumed that he noticed me in the chat as well now since I posted. The video had stopped loading and began playing. Some more messages from the other users sharing their anticipations as the footage of a dark gray basement somewhere took shape on the screen. The resolution to the video was pretty awful at first, but rendered pretty well after about 30 seconds. I was scared shitless. Nobody else was in my house and I shared it with roommates. Most had left for the summer vacation and I didn't head home for another two weeks. I was alone in the dark with little to nothing but ambient sounds or whatever was happening on that camera in that video. It stays like this for about four or five minutes. I spent every second staring at that screen, waiting for something to happen. Finally, a dude steps out onto the screen, holding up a whiteboard with foreign letters on it, as well as the word, cold body, underneath. The guy was honestly ominous to look at, pretty overweight and what only could be described as a motorbike's beard. The man spoke. I had no idea what he was saying at first. He was speaking in Chinese, I think, but I don't know. Luckily for Nathan and I, the man had another person beside him who spoke some broken English. Hello users, welcome cold body show, I think he said. I was honestly more interested than scared at this point. This video looked like it could be something worth showing the others. That thought never crossed my mind again. The man with the broken English bursts into tears and sobs out of nowhere. He sobs in front of the camera and jerks around in what I can only guess as desperation. The man holding the sign yells at the guy in Chinese, before another man enters the frame and puts a gun to his head. Before I could even realize that it was a gun, the man fired. He didn't stop there. Pressing the barrel of the gun against the dead man's temple, he fired again and again. Each shot spraying blood and what I guess were pieces of the man's skull all over the place. Okay, so a shock video. Not much out of the ordinary here. That was when I started to see the chat window again. The users were talking about what they should do next. Users were all typing different languages. But almost all of the English ones read, shoot him again. I realized then that I wasn't watching some shock video or some stupid snuff film that the admins had hid behind the wall of proxies. This was a live stream. I was watching a live stream of somebody being murdered in front of me. We all were. I type into the chat, you sick fucks. and. What the fuck are you guys doing? But the texts weren't being responded to. So many people were spamming in the chat and foreign text. I just couldn't read it. Another person is brought out right in front of the camera, this time already sobbing and trying to break free of the ropes. They had been bound to her ankles and wrists. She was bare naked and covered in bruises and cuts. I didn't do anything but wait for the inevitable. The man shot her in the back of the head and watched her body fall limp to the floor. People in the chat cheered and asked for more. Someone picks up the camera and positions it in the direction towards a metal table, covered with some sort of liner. The woman's body is dragged into frame and placed on the table. What happened next? I don't think the world should even know. I'm not kidding. This is your final warning. Be prepared for this. The body was slumped on the table like a surgeon would before operating on a person. Some more people wearing red and black ski masks went up to the body holding various items such as kitchen knives and a cordless drill. I couldn't watch without physically feeling sick to my stomach. The men mutilated that body pulled her apart from limb to limb. I could see everything. I almost immediately retched, and I almost vomited all over my keyboard, but I gained control back to myself before that happens. My heart was beating like crazy. The whole situation was so fucked, and I was way over my head. By the time the men were finished, there was literally nothing left but a stump, not that you could even tell that it was a human anymore. Her head was literally torn off of her neck and stuffed into the body cavity, along with one of her arms. If it weren't for other weird sights I had been on before, I might have not stayed as long as I did. Three more people were brought on the screen, all of them screaming for their lives and trying to escape. One of them shot in the leg the other one standing there and shaking in place, trying not to scream. The man holding the sign walks up to the lens and stares into it. I see the black in his eyes, blood splattered across his face. I breathe faster and I actually had to look away. It was like he was staring right at me. He says something else in a foreign language, probably the same one as before. When he stops speaking, the chat window does the same. Hardly a single other post, just a chat window awaiting some response. About 20 seconds passed of him just staring into the camera after speaking. Nothing happens at first, but then the chat mentions me and Nathan by our usernames. More of them spam our names and posts that take over the scrolling message board. As soon as they mentioned our aliases, I started freaking out. I try to close the black window, but every time I try, the window says that the application is not responding. The live stream just continues. The man's staring at me, and the messaging prompting me to say something. One of the few comments in proper English pops up. He's asking us to choose which they're gonna kill first. I freeze for about five seconds before unplugging my computer from the wall. I didn't care about anything anymore. I just wanted to leave the site and never come back. I sat there with a blank screen in front of me for a bit before pacing around the kitchen and I was done with it. I didn't sleep at all. I was too traumatized to even think of resting after what I had seen. At the same time of this happening, I was thinking about reporting the site to the police, but I of all people know that they can't do anything to stop this. To think that more of these sites could exist, that more people are getting gunned down and mutilated for entertainment. It's something that I can't fucking think about. I spent two days talking to some close friends about this stuff, though I left out all of the details that I had just seen. I just referred to it as disturbing online. They all know what I do in my free time, so they didn't think much of it since I mentioned snuff films or messed up sites before. They didn't know that Nathan and I had seen. I mustered up the courage to turn on my PC again, and I was fucking relieved to see no sign of any virus and most of all of the black windows scattered on my desktop were gone. I immediately go to check if Nathan had left me any messages on RadDot. I had several messages from him with a few files attached to the second. I was hoping to talk this whole ordeal through with him but the files immediately caught my eye. The attachments were pictures of me stolen from my Facebook and email. Pictures of my old school, university, and even my friends here. The messages were my address, email online aliases, and even the names of my family members. My IP was posted to the bottom. And I realized how fucked I am. The last picture was of me and my old girlfriend with her IP address and details pasted on top of the picture. There's no fucking way that they tracked me down. I take a few minutes to pull myself together before writing back. What the fuck happened? Who are you? I didn't get a response, and I still haven't to this day. He has all of my details. He knows everything about me and my family, and I don't even know what else. I still don't know what has happened to him since the livestream. I can only pray that the information that he does have on me doesn't fall into the hands of those murderous, insane motherfuckers who killed and desecrated dozens of people in the darkest part of the internet. I can't let them find me or those who I care about. I will never go back to that part of the internet again, ever. It's not fucking safe for me, or you, or anyone. The police can't find them, but they can find you. Don't try to find the site. Don't try to report the site. They will do to you what they did to me. And if you think they won't find you, then remember that I was fucking invisible. Do you want to take the chance that they don't find someone like you? Don't go onto the deep web. And for fuck's sake, for your humanity, Never seek out people who are behind this. They'll
0: find you first. I consider myself somewhat of a veteran when it comes to scouring the deep web. I've been doing it for around five years at this point, and in all honesty, I can say that for the most part, it was pretty disappointing. It originally started out of curiosity. My life was routine up until that point. I had a well-paying but dull job, and I hadn't exactly had much success relationship-wise. Many of them had started off strong, but fizzled out after one year, for one reason or another, anyway. Not to say that I was unhappy or anything, just that I was unsatisfied with how mundane everything was. I couldn't help but feel like I was wasting my potential, that there was something big waiting for me out there. I know it might sound childish, but and still hoped that I might actually turn out to be somebody, you know? Like a famous musician or an inventor. Just someone, anything important. Given that I had no real talent or the like that might help me achieve that dream, I turned to the dark web. That might sound strange, but it wasn't so much that I was hoping to find someone out there as I was just sort of just hoping to escape the blandness of life. I guess we all have our escapist fantasies, don't we? Video games, movies, television, and so on. So for me, it was the deep web. It was exciting at first, but over time even my activities there began to bore me. As it turns out, there really isn't anything of interest on the deep web. Sure, there were lots of sites selling drugs, but I had no use for them. Many other things were scams, you know the send me some bitcoin and I'll send you twice as much back sort of stuff. Occasionally, I would find something that seemed genuinely creepy, but a little digging would always reveal that it was a hoax. After five years of this, I was about ready to give up on my escapades on the dark web. I hadn't really had much success in life either. Now, don't get me wrong, I was moderately good at my job and financially well off but the dream of really achieving something significant was out of reach as always. That was until that day. I saw a post on a forum that I frequented, and a few like-minded people looking for anything strange or eccentric on the deep web. Someone had posted a link to a page stating that it sounded fake, but admitted that it was one of the weirdest things that they ever encountered. Given the account was over 7 years old, And according to their profile, they had been in the game for over 10 years. This was no small claim. The webpage itself was simple. A little reading told me that it was a religious group dedicated to a deity known as XX. Now, I'm not writing it in that way to protect you or anything. No, I just... I wrote it that way because I quite literally couldn't read it. The name was written in letters that I didn't even recognize and... Though I tried looking up other alphabets online, I still can't find any language with letters that even remotely resemble the ones that I saw. The basic premise of the religion was that this god, XX, was an all-powerful entity that lived in a dimension parallel to ours, but would one day find a way to manifest itself on Earth. It all did seem like an elaborate prank someone set up, but then I saw how many members the cult supposedly had, Over 10,000? That couldn't possibly be real and they must have been fudging their numbers. Or so I thought. Anyway, I did click on a few more links on the site, but all the other information was blocked for people who were not members. Except for me. It was a page that had writing about someone being called the Prophet. According to the site, this person would herald the arrival of XX one day, but had no other further details. The Prophet would be reborn over and over again until XX manifested and the cult was dedicated to finding this person. And it was then that I read something that sent a chill down my spine. They had a description of the person who was supposedly to be the reincarnation of the Prophet. I won't write down the details here for obvious reasons or post a link to the site either for that matter. But the description matched me. The description wasn't vague enough so that it could be written off as describing anyone. It had my height on there as well as my birthday and month, though it did not mention the exact year but instead the decade when I was born. It said that the prophet's profession would be involving handling money. I was an accountant. It also said that the prophet would be unmarried and to be a man. Not only that, it described a birthmark that I had. It had to be a coincidence, right? That's what I told myself. I mean, there must be dozens of people who match that kind of description, right? Or had the people who had made the site made it specifically to describe me? Couldn't be. I scoured posts of both the normal and deep web looking for more information on this group, but practically no one seemed to have ever heard of them. Those who had just told me what I already knew. I did learn that the description of the prophet was the same for nearly everyone, though meaning these people hadn't hacked my webcam or something. And it was a little reassuring that when I did a little fact-checking and realized that there must be easily tens of thousands of people who matched that description that they had written down, still, some uneasiness remained, and eventually, I felt that I had to get my hands on some more information. While not the brightest idea that I had, I decided to get to it in the only way that I knew how, by joining them. The initiation procedure involved a ritual that had to be done on the night of a full moon. I won't go into any more details on what was involved other than that there was a sacrifice that needed to be made of my own blood. One misconception many of you might have is that it is possible to stream videos on the deep web, and there are some sites selling access to streams where people are tortured and other things like that. It isn't possible to stream on tour, however, given how slow it is to access even normal web pages. As such, the group wanted each new member to film themselves completing the initiation ritual and send a copy to their leader. I did it wearing a mask, of course. As a matter of fact, they even recommended everyone to do so to hide their identities. I also stripped the video of any metadata and watched it thrice before sending it over to make sure that I didn't leave anything or it could be traced back to me. I get a message back with an audio recording that I was to play to finish my initiation. The words sounded garbled and didn't resemble any language that I have ever heard. They instead sounded like a bunch of animal growls that were just being spoken into kind of words. Somehow, even though I hadn't understood a lick of it, it triggered something inside of me. It was as if a switch inside my head had been flipped on and several circuits on my brain activated. The name, the name of XX, was now clear to me. I didn't know how I could read it, just that I could. There is no point in trying to write it down. I couldn't even if I tried and to think it wouldn't make sense to anyone else. It didn't end there, though. Memories I didn't know I had came rushing to me, memories of countless past lives that I had lived. I saw the pyramids of Egypt being built, I had been a member of Caesar's legions when he invaded Gaul, I saw myself landing on the beaches of Normandy, and there were countless others to which I couldn't have given a modern day name. Nearly all of these times I had discovered this religious cult, and I had joined it countless times. But there was something that this group had been hiding from me, and I knew why. The prophet would become a vessel for bringing XX into the world. But that was after sacrificing himself. In short, I was a lamb for slaughter. I knew this from my memories and browsing parts of the webpage that I had now access to and confirmed that fact. I immediately logged off and vowed never to go on that site again. But my nightmare wasn't over. Later that night... I had a dream more vivid than any I had ever had before. And I saw him, or rather, it. I saw XX. Even if I had the space of an entire book, I still probably couldn't do what I saw justice. I saw nearly every single kind of horror. Werewolves, vampires, skinwalkers, demons, and many more melded together into a giant body that completely spanned the horizon. Though it had no real eyes, or rather millions of eyes all looking in different directions, I could still somehow feel it focusing its gaze directly on me. None of the individual mouths opened up, but it still spoke with an impossibly loud voice, directly into my mind.
1: My prophet,
0: I know your destiny. It showed me a vision one of me lying tied to a table surrounded by people in black hoods. One of them took out a knife and slit my throat, and I watched myself die. As the light left my eyes, they began to turn pitch black and my body levitated off of the table. A voice that wasn't mine left my mouth as dark tendrils began to form around me. This was what was going to happen to me. I would end up dying as a sacrifice and would be possessed by this monster. I'll spare you the details of what I saw afterwards. Let's just say that XX is not a merciful god. Most of humanity would be wiped out. And with what happened to the survivors, let's just say that a swift death was a far kinder fate. I expressed firmly that I would not let that happen. The thing was that I knew that I had to be sacrificed in a specific way to manifest him. If I managed to avoid the religious cult I had inadvertently joined, or if I killed myself another way, his plan would be foiled. At least, for now, it would be. Think about it. Your death will be easy, almost painless. Submit yourself as a sacrifice to me. You have wanted to be special your whole life, have you not? You will attain godhood through this action, and I will live through your flesh. It was at this point that I screamed and woke up in a cold sweat. I knew, though, that it wasn't a dream. I also knew that the cult could probably also communicate with XX in some way. And it is still a possibility that they might be able to track me despite the precautions that I have taken. I couldn't let that happen. I went ahead and destroyed my old computer. I moved to another country and cut all ties with everyone that I was close with. It has been two years up until now, and they haven't found me yet. Hopefully they won't. But it isn't them that I'm scared of. It's XX. There are no ways for me to unlearn what I know now. It visits me in my dreams every single night. Initially tried to appeal to my ego, of my desire to one day accomplish something great or to be special. This was my chance, it said, a chance to be the chosen one, or the protagonist, or what have you in the world. I had certainly wanted to be important all my life, but not in this way. When this failed, I tried another tactic. It told me that even if I didn't submit in this lifetime, I would be reborn over and over again. Eventually, XX would manifest in our world. It was better, it said, for just me to submit willingly, knowing that it might be a bit more lenient to the rest of humanity. When this failed, it told me that, when it did manifest, it would have limitless power and would bring forth every single past version of myself in this reality at once, and as punishment, would subject every single person of me to torture worse than any human on this planet has ever experienced. I didn't know how that's true or even possible given what I know of reincarnation. Could I really be brought back if I was already born into another body? I had no idea what the capabilities of this monster were. Then again, I couldn't be sure that anything that it told me was even truth. I highly doubt that it would be any more merciful on this world even if I submitted. But... Night after night of a god screaming into your head, you begin to seriously doubt yourself. There are two quick ways for this to end. One is I take a revolver that I keep and put a bullet between my eyes. The second is to give in to XX and access the cult webpage and tell them where I am. I don't have a death wish, so neither option seems appealing. Life might be perfect, but I certainly value what I have too much to end it all right now. So the third thing is just to endure it. But I don't think that I can do that on my own. So, that is why I have turned to you, kind stranger on the internet. I'm sure many of you won't believe me. But I desperately need your help. Please don't try to find me. I have made sure that you can't track me down. I can't be sure that none of you are actual members of the cult. Or that you won't come to hunt me down to save yourselves. What I need... It's just reassurance that I need to endure and withstand the taunts of XX. After all, you all do have a vested interest in this as well. I can tell you that what XX wants to do to humanity is nothing that you'd wish upon even your worst enemy. So please, convince me that I can withstand this. Tell me counterarguments against what it has told me because I don't know how much longer I can hold out like this. Thank you.